Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al and Brian. You know the drill. This is the No Huddle Podcast, part of the Odyssey Network. We talk 49ers. And we talk NFL, too. We talk all football. I'm Al Sacco with you on a Thanksgiving week. Can you believe it's Thanksgiving already? Nothing goes by faster than the NFL season. Absolutely nothing. It seems like it's September and you, you blink and you're almost all the way through it already. I mean, college football is over. This weekend is the last weekend of the regular season for college football, right? And then you have, yeah, this is the last regular season weekend. It just football goes by so fast, man especially when the holidays start. And Thanksgiving's fun. The Niners are going to play. I mean, how can you not be excited about the 49ers playing on Thanksgiving night? And maybe you're listening to this show. You're getting ready for the game. Maybe you're listening to it on the way, wherever you're going for your holiday. Maybe you're just getting ready for the day and it's on in the background. And I just want to say, if, if, if you are doing that and you're listening to the show around Thanksgiving, don't subject your family to that. Don't subject your family to listening to me. Do something else. Listen to music. Maybe talk amongst yourselves, but don't make your kids and your wife or your spouse or whatever. Don't make them listen to me on Thanksgiving. No, you know what? I, I appreciate it. And it's amazing if if the No Huddle podcast is a part of your holiday and you I'm being listened to anywhere whilst someone's doing Thanksgiving stuff. I am super appreciative of you guys. All right. This is a football show and it is, it is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to me is about two things. Yeah. You got family, you got friends or whatever. But also for me, this is what I think. What games are on and what time can I start drinking? My whole Thanksgiving revolves around that. And usually the answer to the second question is kick off at the Lions game. As soon as that ball kicks off, I'm getting into my, we do Friendsgiving and I got a buddy, him and I, we uh, usually split a bottle of bourbon every year. And usually as soon as that kickoff happens, it's, it's in the glass, start to sip, let's go. Um, but I'm kind of also over the Lions and the Cowboys playing every year. I think, look at where football is. Maybe is it time to kind of move past that and just put three, I don't know, games of choice on, on Thanksgiving? 
I mean, the NFL is gone. We have London games. We have Germany games. Uh, we have Thursday games. There's a game on Black Friday this year, but we still have to watch like the fucking Lions and the Cowboys every every year. I don't know, man. I feel like they can do better. But this season, at least like the Lions are fun. Like they are a really fun team to watch. I, and I always root for the Cowboys to lose. So either way, uh, it'll it'll be big if, if, if the Cowboys do lose. But come prime time, man, I cannot wait to sit and watch the Niners play in what is just a huge, a huge NFC West matchup with Seattle. And we'll get into the matchup and what I think it means for playoff chances especially for Seattle, who is in a really tough spot in their schedule, and the Niners can get a stranglehold on things over the next few weeks. We'll see how that happens. We'll get into it. Before I do, last show when I recorded, I talked about the Bucks game. I had the name Fred Warner written down in huge letters, and for whatever reason, I totally forgot to mention him. So I wanted to start out the show by talking about him and a little bit about what he's doing for the franchise and why I think he's probably headed towards Cam. Um, Warner was unbelievable last week. And again, I just feel like such a terrible podcast host for not even mentioning it. He had 12 tackles, two passes defended, a forced fumble, and a half a sack. He was just flying around, setting the tone, making violent hits. There were a couple plays where it looked like he just picked somebody up and body slammed them. And the whole team feeds on that. And I mentioned last show, when Jair Brown made one of the plays, one of his big plays in the end zone, I don't remember if it was the interception or the pass breakup, but Warner ran up to him. It was the pass breakup. Remember, Warner ran up to, up to him and got in his face, and you could just tell he, he was talking him up. He was being a leader. And then they had a mic'd up thing that they did with Warner when Jair Brown hit the interception, and it looked like Brown may, maybe got the wind knocked out of him, and Warner was above him. Again, one of the first players there telling him, you just won the game for us. You just won the game for us. He's just that kind of leader. And when you look at what Warner's doing statistical-wise this year, he's on pace for a career high in tackles. He has 90 right now, and his pace is 153. He already has three interceptions, which is a career high for him. Two and a half sacks, and three is his career high. He has five tackles for loss. Seven is his career high. Three forced fumbles, which ties his career high. And he has eight passes defended, and 10, 10 is his career best. Now, he's not going to get Defensive Player of the Year. Um, the emphasis is so much on pass rushers right now. I kind of feel like it's almost like a quarterback with the MVP. Pass rusher, if you have a pass rusher who's got 15, 20 sacks, I feel like it's almost difficult not to give that player the award. Miles Garrett is definitely a front runner right now. He has, he has 13. Really tough. I think the last linebacker to get Defensive Player of the Year was Luke Keekley. The last non- pass rusher was Stefan Gilmore, I believe, a few years ago. So it is really difficult for someone to get defensive player of the year if, if you're not there. But I just feel like with Warner, he's maybe he's just a really underrated superstar is the best way I can I can put it. Everybody says he's the best. When you talk about off the ball linebackers, they're like, yeah, Fred's Fred's on another level. But I don't feel like he gets a lot of the national publicity. We're not he's almost just talked about in passing. You know, Warner's awesome. On to the next thing. And it's just, it's just not enough credit for him. And I feel like he, he's a two-time first-team All-Pro, probably going to be first-team again this year. And he's putting together a Hall of Fame career. And, and I was thinking about his candidacy, and it made me think about Patrick Willis because Patrick Willis should be in the Hall of Fame, and he isn't. 
Now, maybe it's the fact that he played only seven and a half years that hurt him. But Patrick Willis has been a victim of circumstance. And, and here's why. I've talked to some Hall of Fame voters on the show and off the show, sort of about um, what the room's like and the points of discussion. And we had Clark Judge on here. If you want to go back and find that show, it might have been 2018, maybe. And him and I had a good discussion about the Hall of Fame and some things that people look for. And one of the things that he said to me is that he's looking to see if the players top one or two at their position in terms of era. And I brought up Willis at the time in being that he was like, well, hold on. You know, you have Ray Lewis, you have Brian Urlacher. But my argument against that was, well, Willis was a five-time first-team All-Pro in five of his first seven years. So if he's a first-team All-Pro, isn't he one of the best one or two players? That's kind of the way I see it with Willis. Um, Luke Keekley was also playing around that time. So it, it was a bunched up group in terms of who you could say is the best. Uh, Lewis and Urlacher were obviously towards the end of their career there. Keekley was defensive player of the year. Well, I forget what year it was, 2012-ish, maybe around there. Um, but my argument was that, yeah, Will, Willis is one of those top two guys. But that's 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 one of the circumstances that he has he has to overcome is that he played in, in an era where there were maybe four guys. And you can say Navarro Bowman. Bowman was phenomenal for maybe like a three-year stretch too. So there were a lot of great linebackers. But Willis, to me, certainly belongs there. The second circumstance that Willis is, is fighting right now, unless you're a slam dunk guy, and what I mean by slam dunk guy, I mean Jerry Rice. I mean, Peyton Manning, I mean, Tom Brady, just, just a shoe in where they don't even have to discuss it. Just this guy's going in first ballot. He's the elite of the elite. If you're not that guy, and especially at a, at a position where where there's a lot of people, you get put in a queue and, and I'll explain. We've seen this with wide receivers. We've seen this with linemen and we've seen it with linebackers. It's almost like there's four or five guys that deserve to be in. And they say every year, well, we'll take one guy from this position group, and you're just in the queue. And when it's your turn, if your position goes in that year, that's when you get in. So Willis has been stuck behind guys like Zach Thomas, Sam Mills. I'm interested if Luke Keekley jumps him. He might. That Defensive Player of the Year award may, may push him over, and Willis may have to wait for Keekley to get in. And, and then they're going to keep making him wait his turn from there. Now, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. And I don't love the way the Hall of Fame does that. If you have to let more people in, do it. I don't like that they keep guys in a queue who deserve it and put guys in over them who maybe don't deserve it as much as they do just because it's their turn in, turn in, in the queue. And I, you know, again, some of those guys I mentioned, I feel like Willis should, should be in over them. How does this relate to Fred Warner? Well, I don't think when you look at the league right now, there's any linebacker that compares to him. So whenever Warner gets in, gets in the hall, is ready to go into the Hall of Fame, he hands down might be the best linebacker at the time. And he, like I said, he's got two first-team All-Pro selections. Willis had five. I do think Warner will get another one or two before it's all said and done. To me, he, he is on a Hall of Fame trajectory. I, I think it's really special. And, and I just I don't know that he's getting enough credit for that. And it, what's interesting about the Niners now, too, so if you think back to those 80 and 90s teams, the 80s team, the Hall of Famers who were actually, you know, 49ers, not somebody who may have been there for a year. I'd have to think even if there was someone who had that case. But Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Ronnie Lott, and Charles Haley, right? That's it. That's it. 
And in the 90s teams, Rice made it and, and Steve Young. That's for, for when you have a dynasty for well, almost 20 years, to only have a small amount of Hall of Fame players like that is kind of crazy. Roger Craig should be in for, for sure. And if I'm missing anybody, let me know. But the, the point of it is for as great as they were for as long as they were, they didn't have a ton of Hall of Famers. Now, this team that you're looking at with the 49ers, they may end up having four or five Hall of Famers on it. Trent Williams, to me, is a, is a no doubt, no doubt dude's going to the Hall of Fame. Elite left tackle, best in the league. George Kittle's headed that way, too. George Kittle's coming up on 6,000 receiving yards. By the time it's all said and done, I would think he'd be in the eight 9,000 yard range by the time he retires, you know, God willing, if he stays healthy. He's a phenomenal blocker. You know, maybe the best blocking tight end in the league or, or one of them. That to me puts him in, in the conversation for Hall of Fame. You you could see him there. We said Warner's on the trajectory. Nick Bosa, I don't think you can argue that he's on the trajectory. I mean, he has to put in more years, but certainly with the defensive player of the year award and the last two seasons he's had, he's up to five and a half sacks now. Looks like he's ready to have a strong second half. So if he gets to 10 again, Bosa's on his way. The only other guy I was thinking about, maybe McCaffrey. McCaffrey might end up in the hall, but I think he has a little bit more work to do. We've seen how great he is at his peak. Overall statistics right now, he's got 5,551 rushing yards to go along with uh, 4,100, and I think it's 26 receiving yards. So he's got to, I think he's got to put together uh, maybe another two years after this one of really strong production, get those yardage up, especially the rushing yardage in the eight to 10,000 range. 10,000 is kind of the magic number, I feel like. Um, and then you're talking 47 rushing touchdowns and 27 receiving touchdowns. So he's got 74 TDs. So he might end up being a 100 touchdown guy by the time it's all said and done. I think right now McCaffrey's borderline. Um, if he stays on that, he's another guy that might be on a Hall of Fame trage trajectory. So that's pretty special, man. I hope Frank Gore gets in there too. He's another one that will get in eventually, but there'll be arguments against him where, you know, he never won a rushing title. He was never the best running back in the league. It was more of a, he played a really long time. But to me, when you play at that level for a really long time, you are a Hall of Famer. What is he, third all time in rushing or whatever it is? I'd have to look it up. I don't remember. But he's got like 16,000 rushing yards. Dude should be in, no problem. So really special what the Niners have going on now in terms of their roster. And it's just, you want this group to, to finish the job. You want to see Fred Warner get a ring. You want to see George Kittle get a ring. You want to see these guys mentioned with the great 49ers that we mentioned. It's always Montana and Young, Lott and Rice, because because those guys won the championships. These guys are great players, too, in their own right. And maybe we won't remember some of the Harbaugh year guys because they, they didn't the, in the same way. Well, you won't because they didn't win the championship. I want to remember some of these guys who are so special to so many fans in, in the same breath because they have won a championship. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As far 
former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call. Each week on alternate routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow alternate routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. All right, so we mentioned Kittle, and I know stats. Some people, I love to put out statistics on social media and wherever, just because I think statistics are fun. They don't tell the whole story. I've never said that they do. They sell part of, they tell part of a story, but they're fun to look at. They're fun to debate. It's fun to see where guys fall. So I love throwing out statistics, and I, I, I love talking about it. I just think it's kind of a cool thing. And George Kittle right now, to me, is is having a renaissance season in, in the sense that his numbers are great, but also he's just, he's, it just feels like he's a main part of that offense again, the last four games. Right now he's at 43 catches, 648 yards and five TDs. He's on pace for 1100 yards, 73 catches and about eight or nine touchdowns, which is a phenomenal year, phenomenal year for anybody, let alone a tight end. Um, I think the only tight ends who have more yards than him are Kelsey and Hawkinson, I believe right now. He's hit now Kittle. This is interesting too. He had 20 touchdowns in his first five seasons, and um, he's had – did I write this down right? Wait, hold on. He had 20 touchdowns in his first five seasons, um, and he's had 16 in his last 25 games, 12 of which have been, have been thrown by Purdy. That's that's pretty crazy. He totally turned it around in the next year and a half, um, last year and a half. He used to have 16 TDs after only having 20 in his first five years. Once he got hooked up with Purdy, the TD started coming in bunches and he's adding that to his resume. Now the other guy is having a phenomenal season. Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk also has 43 catches. He has 831 yards on 43 catches and he's got four touchdowns. So Ayuk is averaging 19.3 yards per catch right now. That's second in the NFL only to Noah Brown who has from the Texans who has 20.9 yards per catch, but Noah Brown only has 21 catches. 
So of receivers with more than 21 receptions, Ayuk is tops. He's having a phenomenal year. I think the next closest guy is in the 16s. So Ayuk is making huge plays down the field. If they both hit 1,000 yards this year, they're both on pace to go quite past it, Kittle and Ayuk, they'll be the first 49ers teammates, and I think the only 49ers teammates, since John Taylor and Jerry Rice to break 1,000 yards receiving in the same season. And if you add in Christian McCaffrey, who has 851 rushing yards right now, and he gets to 1,000, it'll be the only time in 49ers history where they had a 1,000-yard rusher and 2,000-yard receivers. That is big-time offense. And it's fun. It's fun to have guys who are putting up that those kind of numbers. Like, listen, you live through Jason Hill and Arnaz Battle and Niners wide receivers gaining 600 yards a year. Like, you just deserve the fun times like this and enjoy it. The other guy I wanted to bring up his stats, and, and I brought up a lot of them last last show. But as you go through and you research and look at things, more stats come up with how amazing Brock Purdy has been. Not doing things where. Oh, you know, he threw for 240 yards and a couple touchdowns. He had he had a really good game. He's coming along. No, he's doing historical things. Absolute historical things. Purdy rating 115.1 leads the league. Next closest is it is to a at 106. QBR tops at 77.1. Next closest is Dak Prescott at 73.8. Yards per attempt 9.7. Tua is the only person close to him at 8.5. It's the second highest average through 10 games ever. Uh, Boomer Esiason in 1988 had 9.8. He won the MVP. And the highest to finish the season since Kurt Warner did it on 9.9. So if he stays at that level, he's in some pretty elite company. Yards per completion leads the league, 13.8. CJ Stroud is second at 13.3. Completion percentage leads the league, 70.2. Dak is second at 70.1. TD percentage, 6.5, tied with Justin Fields, which was weird to me that it's Justin Fields. But Fields has been hurt a lot of the season, so Purdy's played the whole year and still, still is tied for the league there. Passer success rate, which I had never heard of. Uh, passer success rate gains at least 40% of the yards needed on first down, 60% of the yards needed on second down, and 100% on third and fourth down. It's like a new stat I saw in Pro Football Reference, and he was number one. 56.3. The next closest is Goff at 52.4. Let's keep going. Let's keep giving more Purdy stats because they're so good. Completions on throws of 20 plus, 63.3%. Next closest is Stroud, and he's within about 5% of him. Big time throw percentage? Guess what? He's first. 6.4 going into Monday night. Hertz was at 6.3. Not sure what he did in that game, but going into Monday night, Purdy was first. EPA per dropback on passes over 10 yards, plus 0.87. Guess, guess where that ranks. I'll, I'll let you figure it out on your own. He is the sixth QB ever with a rating of 100 or higher in 10 of his first 15 starts. The other five guys, Kurt Warner, Dan Marino, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Ben Roethlisberger. What, what else is there to say? You got your your dudes right now at this point who maybe I think just had a stance on Purdy and they're afraid to go away from it at this point uh, that Nick Wright, is that that dude's name? He's got to say, oh yeah, no, it's not real. I feel like if you cover sports and maybe some of these guys get hired and they tell them just to have hot takes, I don't know what happens. But if you cover sports, things change, opinions change, life that happens, people get better, 
People get worse. People impress you. People disappoint you. It's okay to say like, you know what? I thought Purdy was just a system dude, but guys, guys pretty damn good. Guys are really good quarterback. I don't think anybody's saying he's elite Patrick Mahomes, but he is a damn good player. And, and the numbers back it up. And this isn't a four or five game stretch anymore. It's not. Now we're talking 15 regular season starts, 16 full regular season games when you count the Miami game, and two playoff games. We're talking 18 games where he's been really, really good for most of them. Just is what it is at this point, people. Just get over it. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, gigantic game, absolute gigantic game this week. And this starts a stretch for the Niners where they're at Seattle on the short week on Thursday. Then they play the, the Eagles, and then they play Seattle again. So it's a really big stretch for them. Now, they opened up this game six-and-a-half-point favorites, and the last I saw it, it was seven. Vegas and the public still really believe in the 49ers. When the lines are this big, when you're going on the road to Seattle, and you're getting a line that big, the public and Vegas believe that you're back. Now, Gino's elbow might have something to do with that, too, because even if he plays, I'm not sure how healthy he's going to be. Um, but the Niners were 13 and a half point favorites against the Bucs, too. People believe that they're back. But going to Seattle, it's always been tough. They've only won there twice since 2011. Um, the two wins were the last game of the 2019 season. That was a game where Drake Greenlaw had the tackle at the goal line to win. And Jimmy G in that game. So he was 18 of 22 for 285 yards in, in two scores. And that was the game that, that kind of sold me on him at the time because he was coming off his knee injury that year. And I thought he had a really good season overall. I, I did. I thought he, he played well considering he was coming off the ACL. In that game, he goes into Seattle. The Niners hadn't won there in forever. He played terrific, and I said, all right, you know what? This guy just won a big game on a big stage. It got him the bye, if I remember right, too. He, he is the dude. This is our quarterback. And then the playoff happened, playoffs happened, and he kind of sucked. And then the next year, he gets hurt again, and the, the rest is history. But at the time, I thought, hey, maybe we have our guy. We didn't. I mean, listen, they won a lot of games with him. He shouldn't, they shouldn't, he shouldn't apologize for that. But um, yeah, didn't end up being the player I thought he was going to be after that game. But still a great game that the Niners won. The second win they had was last season on a Thursday night when Brock Purdy went into Seattle um, after playing the Bucks. Sound familiar? He went in there with hurt ribs and the Niners survived for a 21 to 13 win. George Kittle was phenomenal in that game because he always shows up in prime time. 
four catches, 93 yards, two touchdowns, and McCaffrey broke 100 yards um, rushing, and he had a TD as well. Other than that, it's basically been um, a decade of Russell Wilson beating the 49ers constantly, especially in Seattle. And I think a lot of us want to forget the last time the Niners played in Seattle on Thanksgiving. It was 2014. They lost 19-3 to and had 164 total yards of offense. And that was a Harbaugh team that was in the middle of imploding. I mean, that team was about to blow up. Everything was going bad. And you remember Richard Sherman and um, Russell Wilson eating turkey legs on the middle of the field. And I just remember everybody being so pissed and everybody hating both of them. Years later, people now we like Richard Sherman, but back then we certainly did it. Um, but you know what? This is a different Seattle team. And I think the 49ers match up really well with this version of them. And if you go back to last season, Niners beat them three times, beat them 27 to 7 in week two. That was the game that really started to change everything because that was the game that Trey Lance got hurt. And then Garoppolo comes back in and he gets hurt because that's, that's what Jimmy does. And then Brock Purdy. And the rest is history. So, so that game, in a lot of ways, is a historical game for the 49ers. Um, they beat them again in, in the game we just mentioned, the Thursday night game in Week 15. And then in the playoffs, in 41 to 23, in a game that the Niners were losing by a point um, at home at halftime, Purdy looked like a rookie in the first half of that game. He didn't play super well, but he went on to rebound and have a phenomenal second half. He threw for 332 yards and three touchdowns. Debo was a monster in that playoff game, six catches for 133 yards and a touchdown. And he ran three for 32. So the Niners had really no issue with them last year. S Seattle's a weird team. When you look at the record, I'm not sure they're as good as they are, as it says, the six and four. And I think that it could get ugly for them moving forward. So they started the season three and one. They lost week one to the Rams, but they followed it up with a really impressive win against the Lions. It was like a 37-31 type game. And you're like, all right, Lions just got done beating the Chiefs. Seattle might be for real. Week one's always fluky, but Seattle might be for real. So we didn't know about the Lions quite yet then, but maybe that loss against the Rams for Seattle in week one meant nothing because now they come out and score 37 against the Lions and look great. Their next two wins, though, so for that three and one start, were against the Giants and the Panthers. And that early in the season, you don't know quite know how bad teams suck yet. The Giants and the Panthers really suck. So those are not impressive wins at all. Since then, things have started to trail off. They're three and three over their last six. Their wins have been against the Cardinals, the Browns, which is an impressive win. The Browns have a good defense and the Commanders. And their losses were to the Bengals in a, in a close game, low scoring game. The Ravens destroyed them 37 to three. It wasn't even competitive. And then they lose last week to the Rams on a last second missed field goal. Now, Seattle scored 37 points in back-to-back -back games in weeks two and three. But since then, they've averaged just 18 points over their last seven. So the offense isn't working as well. And a large part of that is, is Geno Smith. Now, Geno's health is in big question because I don't know if you saw the play, but Aaron Donald like murdered him. That was the hardest hit I've seen on a quarterback in a long time. And they didn't call him a thing. Usually you breathe on the quarterback too hard and, and they throw a flag just because it looked bad. But Gino goes out with an elbow injury, but he ultimately returned and drove his team down the field. So you got to give him a lot of credit for that. He put them in field goal range. But Gino hasn't been as good this year as he was last year. Um, his rating last season was 100.9. This year it's down to 89.7. That ranks 17th. He threw 30 touchdowns last year. And he had a TD percentage of 5.2. 
this year he only has 12. And we've seen that TD percentage drop. Uh, it's down to 3.6, excuse me, which is uh, 20th in the NFL. He has three games this year of throwing for 157 yards or less. Now, if he can't play, it's going to be Drew Locke who will get the call. I don't think Drew Locke scares anybody. Drew Locke is a career 59% passer. And he's 8-13 as a starter in the league. And he's lost eight of his last 12 games as a starter. So, I mean, if Geno can't go, the Seahawks are in trouble. They may be in trouble anyway. Seattle does have weapons. And I actually really love their draft this year. They put in a couple. They brought in a number of good rookies. Tyler Lockett, who I'm kind of always waiting to take a step back. Um, he never does. He has 51 receptions, 545 yards, four TDs, despite he's been he's had a lingering hamstring issue. So he's not at 100%. Metcalf is always scary. Uh, 40 catches, 646 yards, and three touchdowns this year. But one of the rookies I loved, I loved the Jackson Smith and Jigma addition for them. Then it gave him three really scary receivers. And he's doing okay as a rookie, 36 catches, 365 yards, a couple touchdowns. Typically rookies, it's year two when they when they take off. But I thought they did a good job bringing, bringing weapons in for Geno. And they also typically have two good running backs. Kenneth Walker, um, strong, really good runner, but he's hurt. He's not going to play this week, and he may not play for a while. So I expect uh, another one of those rookies, Zach Charbonnet, to be the bell cow. And I like, I like Charbonnet coming out of the draft, and I, I like what I've seen so far of him in the NFL. He's averaging 4.9 yards per carry, and he's a really good receiver. He's got 19 catches, limited snaps, and I think he's going to be the bell cow in this game. I think they have DJ Dallas and somebody else whose name escapes me who may relieve him a little bit. But for the most part, you'd probably see like 80% Charbonnet, uh, which is exciting if you happen to draft him on your Dynasty Fantasy League. So maybe he gets a lot of yards and just doesn't score in the Niners. Kill the Seahawks. We'll see. Um, Seattle protects also protects the ball well. That's what the numbers say anyway. Um, they've only given up. I'm sorry, protect the passer well, according to the numbers. They've only given up 21 sacks and a press percentage of 5.7. Both are in the top seven. But the Rams had, uh, it was upwards of like 20 pressures last week. So they did have some issues protecting last week. So the Niners can hopefully take advantage of that. Now, defensively, another rookie, Devin Witherspoon. Dude is a stud at corner. He makes plays all over the field. He has a 97-yard pick six this year. He's got three sacks, so they blitz him. He can cover. Phenomenal player. Probably the defensive rookie of the year, I would think. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. I don't know, but he's right up there if not. And you, you pair him with Reef uh, Woolen, two good corners. Uh, Boye Mafi leads the team with seven sacks. But if you look at the metrics for Seattle's defense, like everything is in the middle of the pack. They're like 18th, 19th, and basically like everything. So not really a defense that scares you, but, but, they did have Leonard Williams, um, and I, Burford did not practice today. So Burford's hurt. Aaron Banks was limited. If both of those kind guys can't go, you got Feliciano, and Shanahan mentioned he may bring someone up from the practice squad. I don't know who that would be. Feliciano's played well, but if you are down another guard, and all of a sudden you're going into this would be your fourth string guard, that is a little scary. The Niners have some issues in the middle as it is. That could be something that would worry you in the game if if those guards can't play. Another thing that would worry you is is the short week. So there are some fluky things in this game, in this week. So it's a short week. Seattle's a division game, which you never know. I mean, look, the Niners have beat them, what, three times in a row now. It's tough to keep beating division opponents. So sometimes fluky things just happen. They know you really well. So 
that could be another factor where you worry. They have the Eagles coming up. Are the Niners going to look ahead at all? Can't imagine you overlook Seattle on Thanksgiving night. I can't imagine that's a game you're looking past just because of the magnitude of it and it's prime time and things like that. If anything, I could see a letdown in three weeks if they beat Philly and it's like a exhale type thing and then, and then maybe Seattle could trip them up then. But you have to hope that the Niners are coming in and they're, they're coming in pumped up for this game and they can continue to play well. I do expect on the Niners side of the ball, McCaffrey just, just carried the ball 21 times and he had five receptions. So he touched the ball 26 times against the Panthers against the Bucs. You got to think they're going to get Eli Mitchell in there a little more just so you're not killing McCaffrey. Maybe we even get a Jordan Mason sighting. Who knows? But I would imagine that McCaffrey is going to get some rest in this game. What I hope for just watching this game, man, I hope they get out to like a 20 to three lead and you can rest starters. These are the games that worry me. It's their second Thursday night game of the season. Short rest. I, I just, I hate them. I worry about injuries in Thursday games. Like I said, it's fun as hell. Fun as hell to watch a team on Thanksgiving. But that's a little bit of a worrisome thing. As far as players I'm looking for, George Kittle has been phenomenal the past four weeks. It's a primetime game. And I think that Kittle, once again, is going to show up big. I think he's going to have a big night. I think you're looking at 80 yards in that range. I think he's going to score a touchdown. George Kittle always shows up when the lights are brightest. And I think he's going to do that again, again this week. As far as a prediction, it's going to be one of those games. You know what? I think it's going to be similar to, to last year's Thursday game where the Niners were kind of in control, but the score was close. And then Seattle made it closer at the end. Kind of see it like that. I can see them 24-16, I'm going to say, Niners are going to win this game. And it could send Seattle, as far as the playoff pitcher, into a bit of a tailspin because they have a really tough schedule coming out. They have to play Dallas. They have to play the Eagles. They can, and they have to play the Niners twice, as we know. So they can end up in a situation where they're six and four right now. There is a chance. So the Seahawks have the Niners on Thursday. Then they have the Cowboys the following Thursday. Really? Oh, that's weird. And then they have the Niners. Then they have the Eagles. So you can go from six and four to six and eight real quick, real quick. And the Niners can have a hand in that. If the Niners beat them twice, I mean, it's over. The division's over. The division might be, if they beat them this week, the division might be over. The Niners have those two big games coming up against the Eagles and the Ravens, though. Those are tough games. So if, if they do happen to get tripped up there, these games against Seattle are huge. They have to win these games. So it's a gigantic game for the Niners. I feel good about it. I feel good. It's Thanksgiving. Gonna be a lot of food. Gonna have some. I don't know how much whiskey I'm gonna have by game time, but I'll be tweeting. Tweet at me. It'll be fun. Enjoy the week with your family. Enjoy Thanksgiving. And again, thank you guys so much for listening to the No Huddle Podcast. I'm Al Sapto. Thank you. Nine zero three. One zero three. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.